Hey everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited to have two guests today uh, instead of just the usual one. So super excited to have uh, Lorreen Epolite, uh, CEO, and Pamela Stark, the CMO of Furls Crochet. Thanks for coming on the show, ladies. Thanks for having us. Well, why don't you guys each, we can kind of, whoever wants to start, uh, give us a bio background. How'd you get to uh, where you are today? Um, I'll start. Um, my name is Lorene. Um, I've been a crochet designer for since 2012, I believe. Um, I own my own business, uh, designing crochet patterns, and I have um, lupus, so I had a lot of right side body pain. So I went on the search to find a crochet hook that I could work with and not be in, in pain all day. And I came across this company and they made ergonomic hooks and I checked them out and I had never really heard of them too much before. They were uh, a couple years old when I had found them, but I reached out to the owner and I did like a giveaway on my blog for their hooks and ended up connecting with him and he had an opportunity to, uh, he needed someone to help him kind of run the business. And I, what the heck, like I'll do it part-time, you know, a little guaranteed money. You know, when you're running your own business, it's a lot of fluctuation. Um, and that was about seven years ago. And since then I've had different positions in the company. I think I started working for him like uh, maybe 10 hours a week or sorry, 10 hours a month or like some ridiculously low amount. And uh, last year, last April, I became CEO of Coffee. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, Pamela. What's your position and how'd you get here? Uh, well, I'm currently the CMO of Furls, and my journey was similar to Lorene's in a few ways, but definitely a little bit different. Um, I started crocheting when my son was a couple months old. I needed a quiet hobby to do. Um, I made a little hat. My husband immediately said that you could sell that on, on Etsy, which I think is on so many t-shirts. You see that now. Uh, and I did. And I started, you know, just selling things, designing, that I was blogging. And then I met Lorene and we had, um, within, I think, a few weeks of meeting each other, we decided to start our own business. And we, along with a couple of other designers, um, launched our own magazine in 2020. And within, I think it was a few months of that, Lorene said, you should come and work for Furls. We, we have an opening. And I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. I've got two jobs already. I'm good. Uh, she promised me the money would help me get a new kitchen because we just moved into a fixer upper. And I said, okay, fine. She was speaking my love language, which is renovations. And, uh, next thing you know, I kind of left my own business, uh, to work for Furls. It's a, an amazing company and, uh, it's been a wild fast ride. Like I can't believe how quickly everything just kind of happened for both of us. That's awesome. Give us some background. I, don't, I think a lot of people, this prying industry, they don't know as much about. Uh, can you give some background on what it's like being in that space? It is interesting because I think we're at a time right now in the fiber arts industry where, um, especially when the pandemic hit, everybody was kind of stuck at home and everyone was kind of looking to, well, you know, things that they can do with their hands and with their minds that would kind of take up some of that time. And what used to be possibly considered as more of, you know, a, an older craft of crocheting, um, younger generations started coming in and started, you know, showing that it is as cool and fun 
um, as a lot of other crafts and arts are. And now it's kind of taken off and it's become extremely um, modern, commercialized. You'll see crochet designs everywhere. I think it was just last year. Yeah, we were in anthropology and their entire front displays were all crochet pieces. So, um, you know, being in the position we are where the tools that we make are, are also very modern and very ergonomic, very functional, but very beautiful and still all handmade. So what we get to do is provide people with pieces of art to make their art. And I think it's a really cool um, way to combine the two. That's so awesome. It's so fun seeing like different industries kind of take off. Uh, I always make the joke that cauliflower, no one was doing anything with cauliflower 10 years ago. Now it's hot. Now all of a sudden... Uh, well, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> seriously. And now all of a sudden cauliflower's in. Uh, there's a bunch of comedians who are much better at making that joke than me. But um, One of the things we as a company are very cognizant of is doing things in a way that's very uh, morally ethical and um, very open, very inclusive. Like our Pam said, we began our magazine. And when you said it wasn't a couple months later, Pam, I thought you were going to say that COVID hit. And I'm like, it wasn't even a month. Like we decided to make a magazine, COVID hit, and you, you know we weren't sure it was going to take off. And uh, part of what we didn't get to talk about yet is we started that crochet magazine with a couple other designers and then it was too much for us to do we ended up we're going to sell it we sold it to our company so we still own it but now we have hired other people to to run it so um but that started with being all inclusive so making sure that we offer designs for everyone um our tagline for the magazine is because everybody deserves beautiful beautiful crochet so um we tried to make sure that um regardless of you know, race and gender or identify, help people identify that we're a safe space for them to really shine and to be themselves. Uh, it's so amazing when things kind of take off and, and take on a new life. Is is this something where you guys always into crochet? Was this something you've been uh, my in? My grandmother, my family is very artsy and, and crafty. Um, so my grandmother taught me when I was young and my mother did it, but I began when my best friend was expecting, began again when my best friend was expecting her first child. And I wanted to make her like an heirloom something. So I started yeah. crocheting, and that was in 2009 or 10, I believe. Um, and then since then, I haven't put it down. But kind of prior to that, I would putz around and make really long like chains. So when you begin, you start with the chain, and then you build off of that. So I just kind of made long like scarves or have blankets and it really do the things we do now, which is a lot of garments and things like that. But yeah, I, co I come from a very crafty family, but um, no one had taught me how to crochet. So it wasn't until my son was born, which was 12 years ago. Um, I got a book that I think was called Crochet for Dummies. <laughs> it was really, yeah. And, and uh, I am extremely stubborn. So I just kept going at it. And um, eventually it just kind of, it clicked. So it's really cool because, I mean, you have nothing but a string and a stick with a hook at the end. And you're able to make these incredible, you know, sweaters and garments and blankets and literally anything. So fun. Yeah. One of the things I think you guys are uniquely qualified to answer, 
which I think so many, especially younger entrepreneurs have, is should I go into something that I'm passionate about or even like doing for fun and then turn it into a business? Uh, First of all, thank you for saying young because that's nice to hear. Um, uh, We joke about it all the time that it's, you know, it's our passion and it became our job. And we really, it's not really like work. I mean, it is work, but it's, it's like hanging out with your best friend and coming up with ideas all day. So Pam and I yeah. are both like quick start. Like we come up with ideas. Fortunately, we're in positions within the company where we can have people to help execute those ideas or else nothing yeah. ever, ever gets done. Um, but it hasn't lessened my passion for, for the craft. So I think it worked out in our case. I may have a little bit of a different take on it. So I think... Having a passion is important in what you do because it will help drive the creativity and the ideas behind it. I think you need to be ready, though, to, in my experience anyway, are you okay with taking something that was a hobby or something you did for relaxation and making it a job? Because they are two very different things. And if you want to be successful at it and you also want to have some kind of balance, which is nearly impossible at the beginning, um, you need to be ready to treat it like a job or else you're not going to be able to necessarily move forward the way you need to. Um, there are a lot of benefits to it as well because I know sometimes uh, you hear people talk about the fact that you don't necessarily need to believe in a product or use a product to be able to sell a product. Um, don't think that's necessarily true for me. I think the fact that I use it, I was... Um, I was the one who purchased the product first, used it, loved it, really puts me in a unique position as the target demographic to be able to sell it in a way and be able to tell that story in a way that makes other people um, understand the benefits and the need for the product that we offer. That's such great advice. I think it's something that a lot of people have that question of like, should I do something I love? And I, I love what you said, which is just you got to also realize it's going to become a job. Uh, and this thing that you love and is fun and is your hobby is now going to become something that you have to get things done and you're going to be sh- much more stressed about, I'm sure. Or maybe not. Maybe you guys are never stressed. That'd be a first. Stressed no. and a good, like it's a fun. It's a fun. It's a fun stress. Yeah. I it's think, a stress that pushes you. Yeah. yeah. And I think the difference too is you need to be someone who has the right mindset when it comes to business and the different aspects of it. And if you're not, you know, just because you're passionate about it and you make a great product doesn't mean you're necessarily destined for greatness in business as well. So you got to have that balance between the passion for the product and what you're selling and the ability to turn it into an actual business, a business model that can succeed. Well, and I think that fits per perfectly into my next question that I wanted to ask. You guys were brought in by the founder. Is that that right? I was brought by the founder. Okay. I I pulled him. Yeah. Um, So what has it been like and what advice would you give people who are working in a startup, running a startup, but aren't founders? And how do you work with that founder? What are some of those lessons? Because I think that's very common. Uh, You know, Pillow Cube has one founder, 
Um, but lots of people who are on the ownership team, executive team, what are some of those things you've learned? Because I think that's something that a lot of people, one of the reasons startups are great, you can move quickly and you can progress and you can jump the, up the ladder a lot faster than maybe at a company that has 40,000 employees and the likelihood of you becoming the leadership is lower. Our um, business story is a little different than a lot. Our founder is was 17 when he started the business. Um, he uh, was turning hopes for, he had a girlfriend who crocheted, so he turned a crochet yeah. hope for three. He went off to university, and while he was um, away, he just wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and he thought, you know, I have this thing that I think will work. So, yeah. you know, when he was 18, he launched this business, and that was... 11 years ago, we just celebrated our 11th birthday. Uh, and he did it all by himself, really, until I came on board. So it it went from a very, very small company to like a medium to, we grew really fast at one point. We brought on a lot of different employees in a lot of different departments and it, it didn't work. It just, it there was too much, um, you do this, I do this. And when we... Sorry, took a step back and and kind of brought it down just to the main people, which at that time honestly was just the, me, the owner, and Pam. That was we had some support staff, but not much. We realized that that's what works for us. We are we run it like a family. So because we are small and we are close, even when we bring a lot of people, have brought more people into the company. We all have our hands in it, you know. So it's a lot yeah. There. There's been a lot of room for advancement for our employees because there wasn't anybody up top. So we kind of filled yeah. those top positions. Like we didn't have to wait for somebody to leave for someone else to become, you know, CEO. And uh, we're very passionate about making sure our employees are very happy with, with their jobs. So sometimes we find advancements, you know, we find new things to kind of give them ownership of so that they can play a bigger role in the company. Yeah, that's I awesome. Think, sorry, for, for some of, you know, to build on what Lorena is saying, um, I think what makes it unique as well is that as far as, you know, the C-suite, Lorena and I, and then our founder Harrison is concerned, we all have a very similar vision for the company. And I think that's been very helpful as far as, you know, the the dynamic and the working and how we all are able to play off each other's strengths. I think um, even though I'm running the marketing department, um, which is really, I think, unique in its own just because I didn't seek out to become a CMO. It just, it happened to me almost. And I think one of the the great things about it is we've been able to kind of see each other's strengths and encourage each other to build off of that. And it's really benefited the company that way because there's, um, it's just been very, I don't even know how to word this in a way that's going to make sense because it it happens so organically and naturally that it, it's hard to really put it into words. And I don't know if there's necessarily advice for people looking, well, maybe the advice is make sure that you find people that you mesh with and you gel with and you respect. Because if you do, then it's going to be easier to get through those really hard times. And I think, you know, 2020 was tough. 2021 was even harder because people weren't, you know, buying the way they were in 2020. Um, when iOS 14 hit, things, you know, took another hit. 
And I think, you know, as the hits keep coming, you need to make sure that you're with a company and it's for the people that you feel safe with and you respect that you're going, that you know you have each other's backs, you're working as hard as you can, and you're able to act fast. And I think that's something that three of us had. Yeah, that was able to overcome a lot of those. I love that. I, th- I think kind of like you're saying, this is maybe a, a kind of what, what you were trying to, to figure out how to verbalize or vocalize is kind of this idea of like, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs or uh, founding teams, they're almost like trying to manufacture the connection. And like you said, it's like, no, it's either there and, and you build on it or, or it just needs to develop. I think that happens a lot too. People are like, oh, you know, what are our personalities and how do we mix? And it's like, a lot of that comes with time. And like you said, you guys have gone through the challenges of 2020, 2021, 2022, iOS 14. Like those things are what mesh you. And often people in the first six months are like, why aren't we meshing more? And it's like, because you hardly know each other. Like chill out for a minute, work together and get to know each other before you are like so worried about why aren't we best friends yet? It's like that takes time and going through hard things together. That's where that usually comes from. Yeah, I'm kind of alluded to it too. She said, you know, she wasn't, she set out to be a CML. None of us are business trained. None of us went to business school. None of us went to college for this. Like we, uh, we, I, we often say, I could not have trained for this job on purpose, but all of the experience that I have in other like industries and other positions trained me perfectly for this job. So it's almost like I was planning for it, but we weren't. But I think it's that kind of lateral thinking of like, oh, I've had this experience that's super unique. I think that's most people in startups. A a very common trait I see is people who like learning and they usually have very unique careers. Like, oh, I did this and then I tried this and I did this. And then it brought me to a place where I was able to leverage all of those very, sometimes like very unique skill sets uh, and mix them in a way that had not been mixed before. So I think that's so awesome. Uh, what's next for the company? Like, where are you guys going next? I think that's another question I get a lot as I talk to other entrepreneurs is you find a certain level of success and then it's kind of like that, okay, how do we build on this success? What else do we expand to? Should we expand? Should we not expand? Do we add more products? How have you guys approached some of those challenges and what advice would you share with people who are going through the same? We will never run out of ideas. I mean, Pam and I are just, like I said, we're ideas people. So Really, our problem is having to kind of reel back and decide what what we actually want to do. Um, we're making some really big advancements in our in our product. Pam mentioned earlier that we're still all handmade, um, but we're we really have spent the last little over a year developing, uh, honing in on our uh, products to make them so we can have them machined, which will be you know, more precision, quicker volume. We'll be able to get things out faster. Our biggest problem really is that we run out of product. Like we just have more purchasers than we have product a lot of the time. So we've been doing a lot with product development. Um, We're continuing our work with community. It's a really big thing for us and um, helping to lift up uh, makers and and designers from, from all over. So 
they're probably our biggest two things, really innovating our product and continuing to work closely with individuals. In the past um, year, we, or I guess it was two years ago, we actually um, moved from a 3PL to purchase or running our own warehouse, which was huge for us and bringing our customer service in-house. And I think um, what that has allowed us to do is recognize that we needed to actually take a step back. And so as Laureen had mentioned, you know, we were looking at, we got to see our product line in a way that we can't if it shipped direct from vendor to a 3PL to our customers. And so um, when we were doing that, it gave us the ability to really assess the product we have and look at, you know, the areas of opportunity we have for those products and for our customer service and um, how we market our business and um, where the growth really can come from. And so I think with the slowing down, which I really recommend for a lot of people, because a lot of times you just want to grow, grow, grow. And it was really hard for us as quick starter, you know, people who just come up with so many ideas all the time to actually take that step back and breathe. And um, we love data, thankfully. And, uh, you know, just really analyze all the different areas and, and figure out, talk to our customers, you know, go to trade shows, go to places where they are and talk to them and figure out, you know, make sure it's not a personal decision you're making. And um, it, it is, I think it's going to be really exciting. And I can't wait to uh, see some of these products come from machines instead of just from hands. Because as Lorraine said, you know, you, you can only make a hook so fast. And so eventually supply and demand are, are not balanced. And so I'm really well, excited. Without losing, without losing that handmade, you know, feel. feel. And yeah. Google crochet hooks are not made with ergonomics in mind. And they're, we put a lot of time into like getting the files made so that we can keep all of those really great components of having a handmade hook, but to fine tune them and make them um, better rather than just like mass producing a product. Yeah. One of the things I had like an aha moment, uh, Pam, as you were talking that so often when it, you guys are the perfect example of you disrupted, you came up with this new idea. It's totally different than the old way of doing things. Then as startups, sometimes we get into the rut of doing it the same way we've always done it, but not because of slowness or because we're not willing to innovate, but because of speed. We're like going so fast. We're like, just keep doing it that way. We've always used a 3PL or we've always manufactured that way. We just don't have time to go and rethink that. And I like, even as you said, I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. I've never made that connection until you were saying that, but it's so true. Like a lot of times we look down on these big, slow companies, the big, big ones, like, oh, they're so stupid. They always do it the same way it's always been done. But then we fall in the same trap, but for different reasons. And we're like, oh, we just don't have time to fix some of our processes to rethink why we're doing certain things the way we are. But it's because we're going so fast, not because we're, we're you know, old and antiquated. And so I think that's a great point. We really did. We fell into that. Like we moved so fast that the proper structure never really got built. Uh, you know, we were, there was, the business was around for seven years before we had, ever had an SOP, like ever. So when we literally, last year, we just said, this is the year for us to 
go backwards and to fix all of the things because we're not if you grow too fast you're going to get to a point where you can't grow any further because you didn't build a strong foundation so we're going back getting that really strong foundation so that we can grow even further than we would have been able to otherwise i love it what's next for furls what what's kind of like the next thing is there anything you can talk about is there some exciting things you guys are doing working on we're kind of selling beans like we have uh, you know live events that we do and Pam and I especially because we have different members of the team doing them together but when Pam and I get together we have a tendency to give away a whole bunch of secrets but all the trade secrets yeah (laughs) we're working on it's it's part of the community but we're working on um combining some fun things like like on a boat like where you would go and all get together in an ocean. Yeah, so we're we're working on doing a, a like a cruise retreat. So that's something we're just starting now to hopefully do next year. Um, and along with our new products and uh, branching out to other fiber arts, so not just crochet, but getting more into um, knit other types of fiber arts. That's so great. Uh, well. Super excited to see what you guys come up with. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, any call to action for the audience? Anything that they can go and do? Visit the website, I'm sure. Oh, do yeah. Wanna... So, Pam, our marketing guru, I'll let you give all that information. Sure. Please okay. head to ferrellscrochet.com. And if you're not a crocheter, but you're interested, we have a ton of tutorials there. You can learn how to crochet. You can get a crochet hook. You can get all the supplies you need. Uh, if you scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, or actually, if you it'll pop up right away. Sign up for our newsletter. Um, you'll get emails directly from me, and uh, you can also watch us live almost every Friday on YouTube at Furls Five Arts or um, on Facebook. Um, for other entrepreneurs, our our email, like we, him does a really good job at marketing. Um, you know, we work with companies for for marketing sometimes and they come and ask us like how our open rate is so high and why our click rate, why our conversion rate is so good. And we're, we're very fortunate to have Pam who just is a very, very good marketer. Um, Thank but you. Yeah. It's, you'll see the authenticity in the emails. And she said, you know, coming from someone who uses the product, I think there's something about that. There's a, there's a real authenticity in it. And I think that that kind of marketing we don't do it as a marketing ploy. We just do it because that's what we are, but it is very successful for us. So nobody told me um, to do otherwise. So, yeah. <laughs> so it works. Well, thank, it. You. thank you. Well, that's, it's those constant improvements, constant changes. But I was going to say, I'm amazed at how many friends I have who are guys who are like, oh yeah, I crochet. It's, it's become yeah. a thing. And so I love it. People can go check out the t- tutorials that you guys have on your website and no reason to be afraid of getting started. Not at all. So good for your mental health. Well, thanks again for coming and being great guests. Uh, Appreciate all the wisdom and learning you guys shared with us. Thank you for having us.